Welcome to our podcast, Let's Talk Mental Health, the show where we will be discussing all aspects of mental health and wellness and how it impacts our physical health. We will share stories and speak with behavioral health experts to normalize conversations around mental health and the need for occasional support. Our goal is to reduce stigma and provide our listeners with the tools and resources they need to lead physically and mentally healthy lives. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult with your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Good morning, everyone. So I'm going to be your host, Simona Trkiska, here with Providence. And today we are talking to Senior Clinical Manager at Providence, Telehealth and Swedish Behavioral Health, and Joshua Cutler. Thank you, Josh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Today we're going to talk about mindsets, an important topic that has not been talked about a lot um, these days um, because we have been um, exposed to the topic of fixed and growth mindsets, but we have not dived deeper into all these type of other mindsets like deliberative and implemental, promotional and preventative. While we're going to be talking about mindsets, we are going to cover how thoughts are impacting our feelings, how feelings are impacting our behaviors, our perspectives, and they turn into a particular mindset. So, Josh, can you please tell us a little bit about the connection of thoughts and behaviors? How do they impact each other? Sure. So, um, in my work, I, I'm a behavioral therapist, um, and uh, I lead a team of uh, licensed clinical social workers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker myself, and um, I spend an awful lot of time talking to people about uh, both thoughts and behaviors, either thoughts that can be really distressing or behaviors and habits that can cause some problems. Um, and also emotions usually end up in the mix. And so I usually like to look at it from a cognitive behavioral perspective, uh, which has a, a triangle that we like to use that connects thoughts, feelings, and behaviors to show that they're not disconnected, that they really can impact each other, that um, acting in a certain way can end up making you feel a certain way and have certain thoughts versus um, a certain emotion could come up and then you have thoughts about that and then you maybe act on that. So um, they really are connected and neuroscience is showing us more and more um, how, you know, in very many complex ways, um, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are connected, um, but we have some nice ways of just defining thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are a, a little simpler that um, really my focus is not just to analyze them, but to help people to shift their behaviors to um, improve their life and, and get away from things that are getting them in trouble. So everything is intertwined. It's connected. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Most of the time when you ask somebody, how are you? They would say how they feel, right? They would not say how they think mm. about a particular feeling. So a lot of times there are these maladaptive thoughts. What do they mean and how do people recognize them when they're in this decision-making process? I like to think of maladaptive thoughts through the lens of um, cognitive distortions. So if you think of like 
a black and white thought or uh, maybe you were mind reading or jumping to conclusions, um, thoughts that um, there's some version of truth to them, right? But uh, there often is, uh, you're looking through a lens that's filtered by all this judgment and negative reactions and other things that can end up really distorting the truth. And just noticing that and um, being able to recognize like, wow, maybe I'm in this black and white thinking space and I need to step back a little bit, observe um, where I'm at and think of a different way to respond. That's incredible. So if thoughts come to you, the best thing that you can do is really actually to observe them before you connect to them and you act upon them. Yeah, in an ideal world. I mean, we're um, <laughs> pretty fast paced and um, already today, you know, I've uh, uh, had to um, do some work and interact with my family. And, you know, um, th sometimes we don't always have the time to just think, oh, how do I want to respond in this moment? But um, I think cultivating a mindfulness practice, which doesn't necessarily have to mean sitting on a cushion calmly for half an hour in a Zen right. state. It can be taking walks or um, being just out in nature where you're just taking the time to observe what's going on with your thoughts and maybe not take them so seriously um, and just be a curious observer. That can be a really powerful exercise. And it's something you can cultivate over time. And research really does show that the more you do it, the easier it gets and then the less reactive you are um, and you can create some space really uh, to respond and that's something I've really come to recognize the longer I do this work it's not that we get rid of difficult thoughts and feelings but we can get uh, better we can work the muscles of responding to them differently and that's mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. really makes change happen for people. So mindful practice observing your thoughts as, as much as possible and being kind of like a third party um, outside of yourself so you can assess whether or not they're serving you well or they're preventing you from reaching a goal or feeling well and living healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it can really help to write them down. So okay. um, writing your thoughts down can be a really powerful exercise. Uh, also thinking of them like um, clouds in the sky or uh, leaves on a stream, really having some images that let them float by, but uh, it's really about acceptance. I, th I often hear people mm -hmm. that I talk to about mindfulness or meditation say, well, I tried it and it didn't work for me. And I usually ask, well, why not? And they're like, well, my mind wasn't silent. And the goal is not necessarily a silent mind. I mean, if you get there, that's awesome if you're um, really in that place. But um, it's more to have the ability to detach a little bit and just watch your thoughts and not react to them so much. Yeah, the mind is so complex, right? Because mm -hmm. there is the subconscious and there is the conscious and then there is our environment. So, so much is going on. So taking that yeah. deep breath and having a little bit of self-introspection, it seems like it can really help. Definitely, definitely. So when we talk about thoughts and how they impact our feelings, can you talk to me a little bit about our feelings, how they can really trigger certain behaviors and attitudes? How can we become better self-assessors of our feelings? Uh, a piece of it is just developing your own feelings vocabulary. Way I, I, I work with uh, a fair amount of healthcare professionals. I, I see a fair amount of doctors in my um, counseling practice. And I, I find that people who sometimes have the largest vocabulary uh, for, you know, all kinds of complex terms and can do very complex analysis in their work potentially or, or 
treat complex patients. Um, sometimes their emotional vocabulary is pretty um, small, and mm -hmm. and it can just be like, well, you know, sad is bad and happy is good. Um, mm -hmm. And the reality is, we're much more complex. And um, if you spend any time around small children, I have small children, and within a hour, not even just a day, you see the full range of human experience. And the truth is, it's all, it's all okay. It's all good. I mean, there's yeah. times that it's totally appropriate to be sad. And there's times that it's very appropriate to be joyful. Um, mm -hmm. And this kind of idea that we're supposed to be happy all the time um, is, uh, I think, really counterproductive because people do a lot of things that get them into trouble because it's like I just have to feel good all the time yeah. um, and I really appreciate that in my children's classrooms I see more and more around emotional vocabulary and they talk a lot about emotions and identifying them um, and rather than judging them but but maybe putting them in colors coded like red or blue mm. um, and and how that, that maybe they respond to them it looks like there is almost like honoring where you're at like having a gratitude of experiencing particular emotions, seeing the thoughts that you're having and kind of like taking it easy and not really being harsh on yourself and getting into that downstream of I'm not good enough, I have a lot of doubt, I'm not feeling good, and this is how it's going to be. Yeah, and if you do have those thoughts, because sometimes that is a thought pattern that is pretty well established for people and trying to rewrite that would be really difficult having the ability to just recognize that wow this is a thought that comes up for me mm -hmm. that maybe once upon a time it served me it got me you know out of a situation that wasn't working well it um maybe that shame and guilt was the toxic environment i was in before and it's just mm -hmm. still with me but it doesn't mean it has to motivate you now um and and having the ability to just say okay there's that voice again whether it's um a parent or a teacher or um somebody else in the past um being able to um just get a little distance from that and and think about, well, how do I want to respond now? Um, and, and I think the most authentic people, you know, are at peace with whatever emotional state is up. Um, and also, mm -hmm. you know, ha not just tightly controlled on their behavior, but are choosing mindfully, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And this is how I'm going to respond. Um, and, and I'm really focused on, on values and committed action to being really thoughtful about um, how it is that you're choosing your behavior rather than just going through life unconsciously, which is what a lot of people frankly do. Yeah, unfortunately, but things can change, right? So this is why this conversation is so important because we can provide this information that can prompt people to really um, feel comfortable and that they can really do a self-assessment of even previous behaviors that didn't serve them well or really help them in difficult situations. Um, so another thing is that we really need to assess whether or not certain feelings and thoughts are temporary or they're uh, permanent, right? Um, so previously in our conversation, we talked about the feelings wheel. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and how people can use it as a tool to identify their feelings? Yeah, I love the feelings wheel. I use it pretty much every day in my practice. And since I'm doing everything by telehealth right now, uh, people are in front of a computer. So I'll just have them Google feelings wheel. And there's like 15 different versions. Um, I think you were actually the one that told me, you know, who developed it. And, um, and I just was looking for a good tool that uh, basically has um, a variety of different emotions. I mean, there's all kinds of feeling stuff 
out there with like emojis and other things. So sometimes you pick what works for people, but I find the feelings wheel works well for folks that are especially pretty um, cognitive or verbal. Um, and um, if you're going beyond one word, you're intellectualizing and you're not in the feeling anymore. You're um, in your thoughts <laughs> right. about the feeling. And so being able to pick um, one feeling, whether it's, you know, sad or happy um, and, and then being able to drill down. That's what I love about the feelings. Will um, it, it has sort of the primary feelings. And then when you step out farther, it, it goes into kind of the secondary or um, more, it gets a little more granular mm -hmm. about the, the feelings. Um, and it can help people just like, oh yeah, this is where I'm at. Um, and to be accepting, like it may be that someone's sad and that they're, they're or they're, but it's not just that they're sad, it's that they're disappointed. And maybe, mm -hmm. it, and that's the flip side of being excited about stuff. And right. the reality is we can't, experience excitement without disappointment um mm -hmm. and we don't i don't have a magic like mute button that'll just mute your emotions um that and that's sometimes what people end up doing with drugs and alcohol and that can cause a lot of problems um we can't selectively mute emotions um so so being able to identify that and and that also can help people then shift out of that emotion like move through it gracefully often I'm working with people that are just really stuck in one emotional place. Uh, and it's not that it's necessarily a bad emotion, but it's, it's an emotion that's um, taken over their behavior. And so helping them mm -hmm. to recognize, Oh, this is where I'm at. And maybe these are some of the things that got me in into this place. And, and these are some things I could do to pivot or move into a new, um, a new emotional space. It is a lifelong journey. I, I do know that. Uh, my grandfather was a yogi and um, he spent 50 years just on, you know, the practice of mindfulness. So uh, it takes time. And it seems like if we are able to identify the particular triggers that are putting us in a space or mindset um, or in a feeling state, um, if we're able to understand these triggers, then it's going to make it easier for us to find a way how to proceed and how to move forward without feeling heavy. Self-knowledge is so important and being aware of your history, but not being ruled by it because um, there's a lot more history to make and we can't right. just live based on the triggers from the past, uh, but certainly they inform our life. And we have gone through so many changes in the last few years, right? Um, and so the impacts of emotional um kind of like a baggage has been a lot it's not just everything that we have dealt with in our personal life but then it's everything that is happening in society mm -hmm. um, so it has been a lot um, that has happened and impacted all of us in on an individual level and collective level yeah it's this has been a, a time um during this pandemic and then you know the other things that have have gone on um around the economy and um with what we've seen with um racial justice protests and some of the mm -hmm. terrible things that have happened to uh bipoc people that are just on the news every day and um i, I think we all are are being impacted and and triggered in a way right now that we ne weren't necessarily before um and and we're also going through this collective um mm -hmm. pain this collective difficulty I, I mean i remember my 
grandmother would talk about the Great Depression and as something that, yeah. and, and also World War II as something that, you know, everybody went through, everybody was impacted in society. And I can't think of any other time really that has impacted us this much. I mean, certainly we've had foreign wars and other things, but it was always sort of over there. And, um, and this is something that's hit us um, right here at home. Um, and also globally, we're so connected now. Uh, I'm getting to take place in a participate in a conversation next week with um, Providence India. We've got about 300 employees out there. Oh. Our chief medical officer for behavioral health, uh, Dr. Arpan Wagre, I work closely with him and um, he's from India and he was asked to come and um, speak to that group. So he, I'm going to join him and talk a bit about um, some ways to respond to stress and um, and seeing on the news just what things are mm-hmm. um, transpiring there and um but also being triggered by, I remember when it felt like we were all going to die here too. And right now it's like, I have the vaccine, we're getting out of the woods. Um, but yet, you know, our um, colleagues across the world are, are being really deeply impacted. And so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Yeah. There's a lot of awakening as well, right? A lot of transformation mm-hmm. on, a, on a, again, individual and collective level. And the support that we all have given to each other, I think it has been amazing um, outcome as well. I'm hearing a lot of people say, I can't go back to how I was living before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happened in my own household, just the way we were commuting and getting the kids off. We were just running ourselves ragged and we just were forced to slow down. <laughs> and now it's like yes. things are going to be a little different now. There's no going back to that life anyway. Um, well, the so. universe has its own ways of, uh, you know, making us uh, have realizations. Let's put it that way. <laughs> for whoever believes in the power of the universe. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Now that we have talked a little bit about the thoughts and the feelings, let's talk a little bit about the behaviors and the attitudes. Um, What is it that people can do to really stay very connected to their attitudes and behaviors, how they can recognize certain patterns and how can they find almost like this setback of, again, observing and maybe coping mechanism or maybe going back towards um, that feelings wheel of identifying why one particular feeling, it's really overwhelming all of all of them right their mind their emotions their heart um their daily lives um how can they assess where they're at so uh, an exercise that i really like is a is a journaling exercise that um it's actually adapted a little bit from a original um cognitive behavioral exercise that david burns uses in this book feeling good um but really you can just draw some columns so you can say um thought feeling behavior and then i would add also cognitive distortion and so mm-hmm. writing down like um and then actually the other thing would be um behavioral therapy we'd call it antecedent or kind of the trigger event what happened before mm-hmm. okay and so so to really like if you found you just get really spun out like what happened <laughs> um it can be really helpful to just write down okay this is what was going on and then this is what happened these are the thoughts that I had about it. This is the way that I responded. These are the feelings that came up and, and also connect the, 
um, the thoughts that you had to the list of cognitive distortions, just labeling that. Um, so that can be really helpful just in identifying your patterns uh, because mm -hmm. the first step in identifying them is having some insight into like, oh, this is a thing in my life and we can actually change those patterns. It's similar to um, like if you were driving a truck down a country road that's a pretty well-worn country road, mm -hmm. um, it's going to be pretty easy to go down that path, right? Uh, where um, the way our neurology works is we've got to make a conscious effort and it's going to be much harder at first. And so it's like you're driving mm -hmm. into a field over and over. But then as you start to drive into the field more often, a road starts to get built there. And, and so that's a part of a mindfulness practice or something like this, where you start to um, not just react automatically, but well, I'm going to take a little minute to notice what's going on think about responding a little bit differently. That's creating those new, new neural pathways and new ways of responding. And again, it doesn't happen immediately, but we, um, you know, there's that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, we're finding the brain is, is very plastic and it's not that we're just stuck in our ways, uh, but it does take some uh, concerted effort. Um, and I think that also has to be really grounded in, in values like, you know, who do I want to be in the world? How do I want to be? And um, how am I, sh if I'm showing up in ways that are not consistent with that, um, mm -hmm. what are some changes that I can make? And sometimes that's, a painful process it's not necessarily easy and and just because you're living your values doesn't mean you're happy all the time but if you can think about people that you know who you really admire um they probably had a hard life too but um but despite oh, yeah. that they stood up for what mattered and um were able to find the things that they needed to do to keep them grounded everybody has their journey and it's it's a voyage uh, that it's quite colorful, right? It's, yeah, it's never yeah. one linear. Um, thank you for sharing that um, introspection. Um, so finding these coping mechanisms, it seems like when we're um, faced with different challenges in life can really help us to develop kind of like a, a mindset. It also can help us with nurturing the, the growth and development of our neurons, which are developing different pathways, right? Um, so when we talk about mindsets, how our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors can place us in a particular mindset, whether we're motivated by something or there is a lack of motivation or we're um, going after a goal, um, so there are these different mindsets, and in this series, uh, we would love to cover the fixed and growth mindset and how, um, when we're in this mindset, how, how does it um, kind of like explain everything that we are, uh, you know, where we have gotten in regards to perspectives, behavior, and how we just function and move in life? As you shared at the beginning, um, there's certainly um, more nuanced mindsets that, than just fixed and growth mindset. But um, and in certain circles, we're talking more about fixed and growth mindset. But I think even a lot of people haven't heard about these concepts that I I really love and this this idea again that we really have the opportunity to change that we we right. we can uh, we can evolve and change and we're not just stuck. You know, we certainly have certain genetic predisposition 
predisposition, and that could include addiction or mental illness or other things. But um, but we do have some ability to respond differently, and that's that's the idea of the the growth mindset versus this fixed mindset that well, this is just the way it is. Nothing's going to change. I am how I am, um, and mm-hmm. and it can, that can be really narrow, and and just it has you just really focus on what's right in front of you, and a growth mindset um, forces you to, um, for one, have some faith <laughs> um, that that things can shift, and and also to step back and widen your focus uh, to be able to um, be open to what other possibilities might be on the horizon, and I think that's that's a really important piece of it. Um, being, um, able to trust that one you've gotten through all kinds of things. If you look back, um, usually things don't go the way we're quite planning them to go. I think it was John Lennon. They're always variables. (laughs) Yeah. Life is what (laughs) happens when you're making other plans. And so, but you really can approach, and I really love this concept of psychological flexibility, um, where you're able to be nimble and and responsive um, to whatever comes up in life and still stay grounded in your values, um, even if things get hard and um, there's difficult thoughts and feelings and experiences happening. And and that's I think really at the core of a of a growth mindset. Um, I think looking at life as an adventure that we don't quite know where it's going to go. We may have uh, you know an idea of this is the direction I want to go. I certainly work with a fair amount of professionals who um, have been very successful and have been on a path that they chose maybe at a young age, whether they're a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, um, and then they get they reach that and maybe even the pinnacle of that. And then it's like, well, wait, this is it. I'm, I'm finding mm-hmm. that it's not satisfying other parts of me that need attention. And it's not maybe that they don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer anymore, but they're finding that they need to be open to having their life be more than just that. And, and it may be that they needed to get there because of a, a background that was pretty unstable. And now things are pretty stable. Um, and so then being open to the possibilities of, okay, what can life look like if it's more balanced and, and grounded in my values? So, um, so that's what the growth mindset is all about, um, really opening up your focus and taking in the world as it is rather than just the ways that we perceive it because we can miss an awful lot. Mm. Yeah, two words come to mind here, being an explorer of life versus having that victim, um, you know, mindset of where things are just happening to me and this is how things are. And if I see them that way, this is how it is for everyone or this is how the world is moving. And so it's a practice again, right, because we can have this interjected um, expectations from our society, from our families, from ourselves even. And if we, again, step back and observe, we can see that the world is actually quite colorful. So talking about growth mindset in this series, Josh, you're also an author. Can you please tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I wrote a book uh, called The Day Hospital that I published actually um, back early um, 2019 
um, or actually 2020. I'm sorry, I worked on it in 2019 and um, published it in 2020, mm -hmm. right before the pandemic really hit. Um, and I published it anonymously because I was sharing some really personal experiences that wow. I was feeling nervous about sharing um, and, and I've had quite a process with it. And I actually talk about fixed and growth mindsets in the book, um, but I'm actually publishing it right now. I just got the proof, um, the most recent proof in the mail. It's called The Day Hospital. And so I'm um, going to be putting it out uh, very soon. So it'll be available on, on Amazon and um, other places you might pick up your books. I guess our conversation today really leaves us with this thought that self-introspection, while not easy, it is a practice that we can develop and it can really help us to live a better life. Because mental illness, it's um, something that we have seen on the rise um, in the last decade in general. And so these are practices that can really help one to just be more at peace and take it easy and understand that there are pieces that they cannot control, but they can control how they feel about it or how they respond to it. Definitely. And, and I also want to just acknowledge that mental illness is real. Serious mental illness is real. Um, there's certainly pieces of what we've talked about today that you might do them and it works really well for you but for not for other people they might need more something different so i really do encourage you if you're finding that you're having difficult thoughts and feelings and symptoms that are really impacting your ability to um, function in your life that you do seek help um, reach out to a healthcare provider a mental health professional uh, we um, are really good at supporting people through um, these things and um, much of what we talk about is what we talk about today um, but it can really help to have some individualized support Support is out there and for anyone who is struggling with different thoughts and feelings and, and it seems to be a prolonged feeling um, that is putting somebody into a depressive state of mind or you know they're under stress, they cannot sleep, insomnia, they're not eating well or they're having these behaviors that are really just not healthy for them to reach out to their primary doctor and yep. talk to different uh, family members even and support groups. Um, it's yeah. so important. Well, next time we're going to continue with deliberative implemental promotional and preventative mindsets. We're going to expand on the topic, on this very complex topic of who we are as human beings and how the mind plays a critically important role in our lives. Thank you, Josh, for joining us today on Let's Talk Mental Health. We look forward to continuing the important conversation on mental health and wellness with more experts from Providence in future episodes. Make sure to listen to all of our podcasts on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, go to providence.org. Thanks for listening.